Hey, welcome back. Thanks for coming along today. Uh, we're going to go to Grove City College here in just a little bit and uh, talk to Paul McNulty. He's the uh, the president of Grove City. Spent a, a considerable amount of time in uh, Washington D.C. and uh, more finally, th- finally finishing up as the uh, deputy attorney general of the United States. Yeah. And so when you hear Rod Rosenstein's name, that's the job that Paul McNulty had for a long time. And so when we were thinking about the uh, Mueller investigation and the fact that it's 300 pages long, the 300 pages, I guess, just as of what, a few hours ago, they've decided it's going to be released? Yes, exactly. Yeah. It'll be released in mid-April. Okay, it's going to be re- up to this point, um, what, two pages or three pages was released Four by, the, pages. by Attorney General Barr. Right. Um, and for people who have believed from the beginning that Trump was guilty, that there was something wrong with the fact that he won the election to start with, they had to find some sort of justification for the fact that something that egregious could have happened. This is right, my perspective. Right. This is my perspective on this. So Trump haters had to glom onto this and say, okay, well, there has to be some kind of collusion. And I got to be honest with you, I was very interested to find out if there was collusion too. I mean, we should all be interested in finding out what is in, the, what is. was in the Mueller report because we all have a stake in this. I mean, Russia clearly trying to find an inroad into our elections in the United States. That right, is right. that is of vital importance. Um, however, now the report comes out. And Mueller says, you know, he has all these statistics that he that that are listed there as far as how many man hours and how many investigations were carried out and how many um, people were indicted and the charges that were leveled and blah, blah, blah. After all of that, we find out that there was no collusion there. So it wasn't that the Trump campaign, even though they had a lot of close ties to people in Russia, there was no collusion in trying to fix the election. Now, people who have supported Trump all this time are saying, no kidding. And why did we waste $22 million trying to get to this point? But this is where we are in America. That that I mean, I just can't think of a more polarizing figure in my entire life. Than Donald Trump. So for people who support him, they look at the issue and they say, look, we knew from the very beginning that this was just a witch hunt. This, these are these are people in the Democratic Party, people in the American left who have never been able to accept the results of the 2016 election. And they've been coming from never. the very beginning to find a reason or been looking from the very beginning to find a reason to say that the election was fixed, that there's no possible way that America could have ever put this type of man in the position of president. Now, I have always thought since that night, since that election night, when that when the, the most unbelievable thing happened, and against all odds, Trump beat Hillary Clinton, I thought to myself, we have to, all of us, hear this message that things are not as the polls tell us, that people are not honest with the media, that there was a whole underbelly of America that was just absolutely never going to vote for Hillary Clinton, but was never going to tell anybody about it because they didn't want to say, that means that I'm signing on for Donald Trump. Look, there's something that is profoundly wrong when we're just not able to say, I like him, I like her. But, but, Anyway, this is what it is. And people who have supported Trump have felt as if it was they were judged as immoral. They were judged as unethical. Um, they were looked at as somehow less educated or less aware or less woke or whatever it is for supporting Donald Trump. All I'm saying, and I didn't vote for Trump or Hillary, so I had no dog in this fight. From my perspective, this was a message that we all needed 
to here, that 2016 election, we needed to sit down and reckon with that and say, okay, how did we get here? How did a real estate mogul who had a TV show end up as president? And what does it mean that the majority of Americans, according to the Electoral College, not according to the popular vote, but according to the Electoral College, decided on him over Hillary Clinton? What does that tell us? Now, fast forward to the Mueller investigation. I feel like it's the same type of reckoning. What does this tell us? If we were on either side, either pro-Trump or anti-Trump, if our lives are either in absolute exaltation now that Trump has been cleared or in abject despair because we can't possibly accept the fact that he wasn't involved in this and there has to be something and we have to look deeper and we have to see every word of the report and blah, 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 then what does that tell us about us? It tells us a lot, doesn't it? I think it tells us exactly where we are in this moment in American politics. Paul J. McNulty is with us. Paul McNulty is the ninth ninth president of Grove City College. Prior to returning to his alma mater, Paul McNulty spent over 30 years in Washington, D.C. as an attorney in public service and in private practice. In 2005, the United States Senate unanimously confirmed Paul McNulty to the position of Deputy Attorney General, the second in command at the United States Department of Justice and the Chief Operating Officer of the department's 10,000 employees. Paul, welcome back to the show. How are you today? Hey, thanks, John. I just talked to both of you. Mm -hmm. So, Paul, uh, you and I and John have talked several times about how intense the environment is when you're working on a special counsel investigation. Um, We've talked several times here on the air about how you've mentioned your respect for uh, Robert Mueller and the fact that you believe that he was a good man who was going to do a good job in a a difficult position. Um, So let's first talk about how you see the investigation now that it's over. Have the American people appreciated the job that he's done? Do you feel as if in reflecting on it, he has done the job you expected him to do? Yeah, I think the American people are pretty pleased with uh, Bob Malta's performance. Um, you know, facts are what they are, and uh, no matter how much political spin is out there, uh, reality, thankfully, has a way of breaking through. And so the thoroughness of the investigation is unquestionable. Mm-hmm. Been time, the extent of the investigation um, was um, described by Bill Barr in his summary, and we'll learn more about it once the report is actually available. So... Um, I think the the combination of his character, the way he's conducted himself, obviously not grandstanding or putting himself forward, and the um, extent and thoroughness of the investigation gives it um, great credibility. And uh, there will always be naysayers, but I think that, uh, by and large, the American people appreciate that. Yes. So, Paul, what is the delay? Why would there not be full disclosure? Can you talk to us about the machinations of government that uh, William Barr is able to give a four-page summary, and then now we hear today that maybe in a couple of weeks the full report will be released? Sure. Well, you know, there are a lot of different ways to gather evidence, and one of the most effective ways to gather evidence is using a grand jury. And people come before a grand jury and testify, and a record is taken of that testimony, and uh, prosecutors present information to the grand jury, and the grand jury, like a jury we see in a trial, sits and uh, uh, accumulates um, a record of evidence. All of that information that is submitted to a grand jury is secret. It's secret according to the federal rules of criminal evidence, and there's a federal criminal statute that actually applies to the disclosure improperly of 
that information provided. So when Bob, um, when Bill um, Barr got the report from Bob Mueller, he received a report that contained a lot of information that was gathered through the grand jury, and it just can't be automatically turned over mm. to the public. There has to be a way of um, protecting that grand jury information, and that's really what the Department of Justice is doing right now. They're trying to go through it and figure out what um, what can be um, provided and what has to be protected according to the the rule of law, which is what everybody claims to be concerned about. And that's the Attorney General's job? Well, it's the Department of Justice's job, so Bill Barr is overseeing um, that process that's being done probably through the criminal division where the expertise would be located for handling uh, any kind of criminal matter. And um, and Rod Rosenstein is still at the department, uh, so he would be uh, more um, probably personally involved in the review of that report. But Bill Barr, who I work with and um, know very well, um, is a very hands-on, conscientious leader, and so I'm sure he's uh, making sure that the work is getting done as quickly as possible. Mm-hmm. Paul, you were involved in the uh, Ken Starr investigation, the special counsel's uh, report that was produced uh, when Bill Clinton was president. Um, was that entire report released, or was it just the uh, uh, summation, as in this? That's a great question, Kathy, and there's a distinction there that most people would not even begin to understand, and that is that Ken Starr uh, prepared his report for release. So even though he had a grand jury that he used in the Clinton investigation, he prepared a report that was for Capitol Hill. Mm. He was a, an independent counsel. Bob Mueller is a special counsel. And the oh. distinction is that um, Starr was set up under a law that has now expired. And that law provided for uh, the appointment of an independent counsel who did not report to the attorney general, who was really independent and um, could make a charging decision on his own. And in the case of a presidential investigation, send information to Capitol Hill that might be the basis for um, you know, impeachment proceedings. Whereas uh, Bob Mueller has been a special counsel, really kind of a, a special employee of the Department of Justice. The independent counsel law expired. Mm-hmm. And so um, his report is more of an internal report provided to the department summarizing the work that he's done. I see. So, Paul, can you talk to us about the the huge machinery that Robert Mueller uh, was in charge of? I mean, I, I read somewhere there were 500 uh, witnesses that were interviewed, thousands of subpoenas. I mean, it went on for two plus years. This is a, a major source of investigation. How does one go about that? And all the people that are involved in, t- you know, tasking the forensic people who were looking at uh, the money changing hands and all that. I mean, it, it's fascinating to think about that, the legs and the, the whole work of all that. Right. And, and, and he had, Mueller had all the resources he wanted. And, and basically, because of the particularly sensitive political nature of this, uh, they weren't going to tell him that he couldn't have what he needed. And um, he, he took full advantage of that. Having been a former FBI director, he knew the capability of the FBI. So he had a lot of FBI agents that were detailed to his team. He had a large number of prosecutors who were also taken from various parts of the Department of Justice and sent to work with him. So that um, large team of individuals, investigators and prosecutors, uh, they can accomplish a lot in terms of getting 
uh, subpoenas out and getting witnesses interviewed and bring them into the grand jury and so forth. And of course, he had these prosecutions that were going on along the way and witnesses were de- being debriefed and providing cooperation. Um, so um, anything he thought he needed, he took full advantage mm-hmm. of. And that's the way he operates. He's he's a, uh, a one of the most experienced prosecutors in the country. So he, he knows what it takes to do something thoroughly. And, uh, you know, he goes at it sort of wholeheartedly. Paul, what's it like to wade in to an investigation like that that is so fraught with political angst? I, I mean, before you came on, when we were establishing your connection on the air, I was talking about the fact that those who were against the president from the very start and were having a hard time, I think, coming to grips with the results of the 2016 election looked at this as the final comeuppance. This was going to be um, the information that they knew was there all along, that he was dirty, he was dirty from the start, there was collusion with Russia, this was going to be the way to get him out, they were finally going to kind of exorcise um, the results of what happened in 2016. Um, so, And then the other, of course, half of the country is saying, you know, this is, was a waste of $22 million because we knew all along that this was just a witch hunt. I mean, how do you, as a fair-minded prosecutor, just try to just go after the facts? Do you just have to block all that out? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I hope that the American people have some sense of how um, that really does work, because there is a culture, uh, there is an, uh, sort of an ethic within the Department of Justice that you understand, and I worked there for 10 years, and you just understand it from the day you start, that things are done a certain way. And even though we hear about these incidents that are you know difficult sometimes to understand how they could occur, and so it's not perfect. By and large, people know that the job is to uh, focus on what the facts are and to kind of really try to block out all of that mm. political noise. And for the most part, that that can be done. Now, you know, this is a unique investigation, and it's really hard to ignore it. But um, you'd be surprised at how well that can be done by folks who um, understand their calling to uh, figure out exactly what occurred and then apply the law to it. In fact, the problem often is that they get so focused on what they're doing that they end up um, you know, losing perspective of kind of the big picture and we spending too much money on mm-hmm. something, going too hard. And when I was U.S. attorney in Virginia, one of the jobs of a U.S. attorney is to be able to see that and at some point to say to the team, okay, folks, do we have the right judgment here? Is this proportional in terms of the significance of the wrongdoing? Let's let's make sure that we haven't lost perspective in terms of... Uh, right, and that's got to be a hard call to make. I mean, going back to the to uh, Kenneth Starr and the independent counsel investigation that you had a part in, you know, it wasn't until the anniversary came up and I read Ken Starr's um, op-ed in the Wall Street Journal, did I even understand how Monica Lewinsky even ended up in all of that? You know, from the beginning, I kind of thought, oh, that's like overreach. Why did we even have to find that out? But then reading his detail of how that happened, it really did make more sense. Oh, yeah, that's such a hard thing to do. I mean, on the one hand, you feel like you've got to play this out because it's the rule of law again. If you see someone who has lied in a grand jury or in a deposition, that's wrong. The law prohibits that, and therefore we've got to deal with it. And yet at the same time, you have this larger context where people are saying, 
oh, let it go. It's just, you know, you're obsessed. And, um, and, and you really feel sometimes that there's no real right answer that you're going to be attacked no matter what you do. So that's a judgment call? That's where the courage comes in to say, okay, my convictions are this and my conscience is clear. I'm going to go ahead and make this judgment. But uh, it, it definitely feels like you're under a lot of pressure when you're doing it. From Grove City College, we're talking with President Paul J. McNulty. So, Paul, where do we go from here? Um, the president, uh, obviously, uh, and his team, they're very happy. They're saying complete exoneration. Of course, across the aisle, they're saying, well, well, hold on, let's not be so fast here. There are many other tendrils to go, especially when the full report's released. What's your call? I think what's going to happen is that the report eventually will come out in some way or another or a lot of information in it. I think that the Democrats will jump on that and nitpick it to death. I think they'll want to second-guess every page of that report. I think the media will assist them in doing that. Uh, I think the American people, by and large, will feel like that's Monday morning quarterbacking and they'll have moved on. And I have to say, and I don't mean to sound overly political, but I think that it's going to be a big misjudgment on the part of the Democrats to to do that. I think they're going to um, overplay the um, oversight card uh, because this, uh, you know, sort of uh, anger towards the president is so um, deep and pervasive mm-hmm. that they, um, they won't be able to control themselves. And um, I saw that firsthand when I worked on the um, you know, the Clinton report. At some point, the American people felt that we, the Republicans in the House, were taking it too far. And um, and we had some, you know, bipartisan support. We had a chairman, Henry Hyde, who was very fair-minded. And still, you could feel the American people feeling like this, they wanted to move on. Hmm. And I think that um, we're going to see that um, replay in sort of a, uh, its own new way, but a, but a similar script. Last question for you, Paul, before you leave us. What happens to Robert Mueller now? Does he just descend into obscurity? Does he go off and, you know, get, go to Tahiti, or what does he do? <laughs> well, he's a he's a tough guy. He he, um, he just keeps going on and on, and uh, he, I'm sure he's ready for a, a nice break. Uh, he's got a wonderful wife, and, and uh, they're going to retreat a bit. He doesn't like private practice. I know that just from being a friend of his, that he likes public service. And uh, at some point, after 12 years as an FBI director and now (laughs) doing this, uh, he deserves a long vacation. And I think uh, he'll try to um, keep himself out of the limelight. The thing about Bob Mueller people need to appreciate is it's really never about him. He really does have a kind of sense of responsibility and duty. And uh, nobody's perfect about that, but uh, by and large, um, he, he he doesn't um, um, want it to, to be sort of um, on him in a way that that, that that you know he puts himself forward, and so I think um, he's quite comfortable looking for um, you know a quieter place to be right now. Yeah, and Paul, just one more thing. So, what's that like? Is Bob Mueller sort of in the shadows and apparently a very humble guy? People must be wanting to throw boatloads of money at him so he could write a book. Yeah, it'll be an interesting question, John. Um, that's not really his style. I mean, he's, um, again, kind of shunned that. And uh, you're right, he'd have a lot to say. And he'll be out there giving some speeches and so forth. But um, um, And money's not his thing either. Um, that's not what he's pursued in his career. He could have always done that, yeah. but he turned to public service every time he's in a position to make money. So... Um, um, I have to say I'd be a little surprised if he decides to write Cash a book. 
I mean, it, it, <laughs> that was just not what I would sort of expect him to do. People like Robert Mueller, they, they give you confidence that the government is still going to do the right thing. They should. They really should. I mean, it's again, everybody's human, and this is all um, uh, difficult work. Uh, but um, uh, there are people like Bob who understand what their duties are, and they try to fulfill them as best they can. And I I really believe that's what he's done in this situation. Well, thank you. Paul McNulty, ninth president of Grove City College and former uh, U.S. Deputy Attorney General.